Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's another sweet, sweet episode of BG and the Coach. I am the coach. With me, as always, is BG. BG, what's happening? Coach, great to hear that silky smooth voice again. There is so much going on in the world of sports today, but I want to toss all those important stories to the side and focus on two things on tonight's episode. I want to talk about $5 shots, and I want to talk about grown adult coaches acting like six-year-olds. Ooh, this is my kind of show right here. $5 shots. This is a story that we want to talk about for the past month on each weekly episode and just jam-packed agendas haven't gotten to it, but it merits discussion. I want to tell you a little story about exactly, I think, almost a month ago. There is a soccer player in Atlanta who's actually a high-profile soccer player named Miles Robinson. When I say high-profile, I mean he plays for... (laughs) It's an oxymoron, but please continue. (laughs) I can see you struggling with that one. First off, I can see you're already just disgusted that we've started off with soccer. You're just hoping that this veers back to $5 shots as quickly as possible. Yeah, where's our priorities? Come on, let's get to it. So Miles Robinson is a professional soccer player, plays for a club called Atlanta United, and also uh, he recently got injured, but would have been starting at the World Cup later this year for the United States men's national team. So I set this context. That seems high profile. Yeah, he's high profile. He's he's a legitimate, I wouldn't say, maybe not star, but he's, um, he's a legitimate player. Anyways, about a month ago at a bar in Atlanta, Mr. Miles Robinson was out having a good time and allegedly was seen stealing a shot off a tray by one of the bartenders there. And $5 shot. And the bartender notified the police. The police show up and they arrest him after he refuses to pay for the shot, which is crazy. And I need to tell you a few details, BG. The police officer in the report specifically went to Miles Robinson and said, sir, I don't know. It's a he said, she said situation, (laughs) like a lot of confusion here. But I'll tell you right now, if you pay for this $5 shot, you will not be arrested. Let's just pause the story right there and place ourselves in the cleats of Miles Robinson. What are you going to do in that situation, BG, versus what did he do? Well, so, okay, so here's the problem, because clearly... The answer is you just pay the $5. No question. And I'm assuming you're going to tell me he did not pay the $5 and was in fact arrested. Arrested. He had to post bail. It, the whole thing blows my mind. So, so here's, here's where I am wondering what the context behind this incident is. Because clearly, clearly any sane, rational human being just pays the $5 and lets it go. So it must have been the principle of the thing. And here's where I want to defend Mr. Robinson for a second, because I have been at bars, specifically I'm recalling a time on Bourbon Street, where the people serving shots would literally come up to you and put it in your mouth and tip your head back, and now you owe them whatever that shot cost. And if that's what happened to Miles Robinson, I'm with him. I'm not paying. It's the principle of the matter. All right. Fair point. But by all accounts, this took place on a sleepy weekday in the outskirts of Metro Atlanta. Like, I don't think this is a Bourbon Street situation. <laughs> and like, the fact of the matter is that the police report said like he had just taken it off a tray, allegedly, is what they were saying. And then to your point about like, what was he thinking? So he, it wasn't on principle that he didn't pay. He's claiming it was racism, that he was being targeted, that 
the whole thing was fabricated. But his in the report, like his main claim was that the bartender who was making this accusation was racist. Oh, and again, so, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so he's not he's not even admitting he took the shot. He's saying this the mm-hmm. whole thing just never happened. Correct. He's he's not saying either way. <laughs> because I was wondering if he just got very confused and thought he was at a fancy dinner party where like they bring <laughs> the pigs in a blanket by. He's like, oh, a shot of Patron? Don't mind if I do. Thank you so much. So your theory, let me make sure I got this right. Your theory <laughs> is that Miles Robinson, professional athlete and star, has never been to a bar before. <laughs> He's never really gone out recreationally at all, except for a few fancy dinners where they've got <laughs> servers roaming around with free hors d'oeuvres. Just that, that's your theory. All evidence points to my theory being correct, considering he wouldn't pay the $5. So I actually think I'm in the right on this one. I think he's just never been out and about. So I don't know why he went the racism route. Like he could have just clearly described it as like the servers are there to serve you food, like serve you drinks. You don't pay <laughs> for that stuff. Come I on. Th- I think he initially tried that and the cop had never been to this fancy dinner cocktail parties that Miles Robinson had been to. And he, they just had no similar frame of reference. And off he went. Miles Robinson, what a story that we've unearthed here. Like a mid-20s, I think he's like his early mid-20s, a young guy. Uh, never been out before. Wow. Wow. His parents you, must be so proud. Do you think he thought the entire thing was free? Like maybe he was ordering drinks the whole night and never intended to pay for them and just got waylaid by the stealing <laughs> of a shot. Do you think the shot was the straw that broke the bar's back? They were like, all right, this guy has been drinking for free all <laughs> night. Like that shot yeah, this, was the one they were like, we're calling the police. I'm not see their t- tempers rising from the bartenders. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't. I think we need to figure out what he was wearing the night. If it's a tuxedo, I'm definitely right. <laughs> That's what he with the police. He was like, I'm wearing the tails, the fancy yeah. tails. Look at this top hat. Why would I be wearing this top hat? <laughs> he was wearing a top hat for sure. <laughs> Can you get top hats? I don't even know where you would buy a top hat. You'd have to ask Miles that. Yeah, I don't, I don't go to enough fancy parties. <laughs> All right. So listen, I got to tell you, like, we could talk about this the entire show, but what is $5 worth to you, BG? Because I have gone grocery shopping before. Seeing that they've made a mistake of $5 or more, like the wrong item is on there or multiple items, the same thing are on there. And I've been in my car and I could have gone back and like made a whole fuss about it and gotten reimbursed. I would never do that. And that's grocery shopping. That doesn't (laughs) matter at all. This was what was on the line here is having an arrest on your record over $5. (laughs) Yeah. As you were saying it, Forget the grocery store example. I've used a credit card where they said, oh, the conveniency for that credit card will be $5. (laughs) If if you use this other card, it will cost nothing. I'm like, well, it's already out of my wallet. I mean, it'd be such a hassle to to switch it. Yeah, it it makes... That's why I need to think of these alternative theories because I I literally can't comprehend someone saying, oh, $5 to avoid arrest. I I would pay $15 just to not have the uncomfortable feeling of my hands being handcuffed (laughs) behind my back. That's not, it cuts into the wrists, man. It cuts right into the wrists. Other other theory. Do you think Ubers in Atlanta were particularly expensive that night? And he's thinking, well, I'll get a free ride to the jail. Someone's gonna have to come pick me up. Maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was just a financial aspect at that point. 
I can only imagine so. And again, I can't, we can't really get into the guy's head if our theory is true that he'd been drinking for free all night (laughs) and then threw back that last shot. And that is what caused all this consternation. Tune in next episode when we completely ditch our BG and the coach format and instead launch serial three. Ooh, I think it's four. BG, I think they're up to four now. Oh, I, I could be very far behind. Okay, no spoilers. I just I want to make sure we're then. right on the facts on this show. Like it's, we've always been so big on that. I just want to make sure that's right. Yeah, we care about facts basically the same way the NFL cares about head trauma, which is <laughs> very little. But uh, tune in for serial season four, where we investigate the Miles Robinson story. I would love to have Miles Robinson on the show. We just need to make sure we scrub pretty much this entire episode before we ask to have him on. <laughs> well, Coach, speaking about inexplicable decisions by adults, mm-hmm. I also wanted to get into coaches because you were telling me about a certain Ken Dorsey having quite the temper tantrum. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in a game during week three, It doesn't even really matter what the specifics of this game are, I'm realizing. There was a, not a head coach, but he was an offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills who lost the game on a last second, somewhat of a mistake. They basically ran out of time and lost the game. And he proceeded to throw a tantrum that would make any five-year-old envious, including slamming things down on his desk. There have been like little booths at the top of the stadium, uh, most of these offensive coordinators, and a camera caught him. I mean, ripping papers, throwing stuff around, slamming his laptop repeatedly into the table. And BG, it got you and me thinking, like, first off, what a lunatic. But once we move past that point, it got us thinking about, like, what is the right personality, the right temperament for a coach? And I guess we could start with football. It could be a general question, too. Like, There's this cycle in coaching, right, in the NFL especially, where a team will hire a disciplinarian first, a guy who's really tough on the team. And eventually he burns out, you know, he burns the players out. He's too tough. He's too pedantic. And that's the word of the episode right there. That is. And eventually, Ooh, well, excuse me while I flip through my dictionary. <laughs> eventually they, uh, they get rid of them and they replace them with the polar opposite, which is a friendly coach, a team guy, a buddy, buddy guy. Who's going to be one of the guys And that cycle continues over and over. Whenever you fire a coach, you basically are seeking their opposite in temperament and personality. BG, my question to you is, which of those two sets are the best or the optimal one? Well, and and just to broaden your scope, I really think that that's true of all sports. I think that cycle really cuts through every sport and that exact cycle. It's disciplinarian until the players rebel and then it's players coach until he loses the locker room because there's zero discipline mm-hmm. and on and on it goes. Yeah. Clearly in terms of like well-adjusted human beings, it can't be the disciplinarian, right? It just in terms of, I mean, we saw how Ken Dorsey reacted. That's not a normal human reaction to, to players losing a game. Uh, so I think from like a life standpoint, it's always great to be the more buddy, buddy person, but I don't think, I don't think either one of those to the extreme works, no matter what the sport is, because, I mean, we see from the cycle, you have some outliers, you know, a guy like Pete Carroll is a buddy, buddy guy, and it seems to have worked Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And you've got disciplinarians like a Nick Saban in college football, where clearly that's been working for a long time. But I think other than those outliers, clearly the cycle happens because 
the extreme doesn't work and you somehow need some kind of blend of the two. Yeah. I think that may, like, it's not a bad thing to change up coaches. Like they're successful for a time and then their style either wears on the team or just gets played out and you need a change to kind of stir things up again. Can I tell you my theory on this? I, love, I gave you, it. I gave you two options of what's the best coach personality, buddy, buddy or disciplinarian. What if it was one in the same? I'm thinking that the ideal coach has this Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> and every day you come into the locker room and you have no idea who you're getting. Are you going to get blasted for not cleaning the mud off your cleats? Or is he going to invite you out for a $5 shot at the local tavern? You just don't know. If you go to the tavern, definitely, <laughs> definitely pay for the shots. It is not a fancy party. You have to pay for any shots that you take. I love your idea, Coach, and I love it for the exact reason you said. Not because you maybe end this cycle disciplinary versus buddy-buddy because mm-hmm. buddy, you get two and one. I love it for exactly what you said because you constantly have to be on your toes because you just don't know what you're getting each day. And I think, how could you not perform at your best because you just are in constant fear of what's going to happen? Constant fear. That <laughs> is should be the mantra of any <laughs> successful coach. They should love how much they fear him. I I think maybe Bill Belichick might be the closest to this. And I say that knowing, like, I don't think we know any of us know anything about Bill Belichick's personality, but is it possible he's this Jekyll and Hyde type? And that's why he's been so successful. So I actually think he's an automated robot. I'm not sure he has a personality at all. You say we don't know him, you know, because we are not buddy buddies with him. He's just a, a figure. But I think it's because he's just programmed to coach football games. And so clearly there's no personality. That we see. <laughs> Did he malfunction this week? He, during a press conference this week, his starting quarterback was injured and he, he got asked repeatedly about the status of that injury. And I believe the count was 12 different times during a short press conference. Belichick responded by saying he's day to day. So he'd say he's day to day and then get another question day to day. Can you say any more than that? Nope. Day to day. You think the bot just kind of uh, glitched? Oh, no, that, I mean, we've seen that happen before. Ron to Cincinnati. That wasn't him just trying to be coy and funny. It was just a malware issue that they were able to iron out after that. So Bill Belichick, who is basically lauded as the greatest coach of all time and as a genius, the BG and the coach theory is that he's essentially (laughs) the chat bot that you reach out to when you're trying to return a shirt that constantly routes you in a circle when all you want is a shipping label. Just please... Please give me a shipping label. Stop <laughs> routing me to FAQs. I'm begging you, Bill Belichick, please. Sure, I can help you with that. Just tell me in a few words what you would like. That must be what all the practices <laughs> are like. And, and Grant, I mean, listen, computers are really advanced these days. And I think we he might just be the most advanced automated football coach that we've got. Maybe that's the answer of the best type. Yeah, that's okay. So you created a whole different category I wasn't even thinking of. Like he may just be genuinely a bot. And in the same way that kind of the Jekyll and Hyde situation would be, you just don't know what you're getting with a bot, really. They could glitch at any point. It can be reprogrammed. Sometimes you have to restart them and like you have to hit the side of the thing and then they start talking again. So maybe he's his own. Maybe Belichick wasn't the best example, but I'm convinced that it's. I think every team wants to have a head coach who has longevity. That's the goal, right? If you want that, I think you need someone with a a blended (laughs) personality. 
I think you're I think you're absolutely right. Also, can we just go back? A disciplinarian is kind of a weird one, right? In the sense of we're talking grown adults who are being and, and granted, you need an authority figure as your coach. That's why buddy buddy doesn't always work for mm-hmm. everyone else. But the disciplinarian one just seems weird to me. And so I think if you really want, and that's why they lose the locker room eventually, because it just wears them down. And so going back to your theory, if you've got the, I don't know what I'm getting from a day to day, you don't ever lose the locker room because they just constantly never know what they're getting. Yeah. And I, so good point about disciplinarian, like it doesn't really make sense, right? I think it used to make sense in earlier decades. You didn't have thousands of people screaming about coaches making terrible decisions you didn't have player safety at the forefront as you do today, although that may be debatable given what happened in the past week with <laughs> concussions. But you didn't have all these considerations that like a coach gets questions on, whereas before they were essentially a dictator. I mean, some of the great coaches of the past, like a Bill Parcells, as an example, went unquestioned during his reign. I don't know why I'm describing him as a Roman emperor, but here we are. <laughs> I think that's contributed. Like it used to make it used to be easier to be like this no nonsense, like never question me. And now, because of the age that we live in, like you just come off as kind of out of touch. I think if you're going to be constantly just barking at your players, I think that's right. And I think it also gets to the question of: Are you a disciplinarian or are you a child? In the sense mm-hmm. of, if you're like a no nonsense, I'm the boss. Listen to me. That's one thing. I think we've all in the workforce probably had bosses like that. If you're like Ken Dorsey and have a temper tantrum, for instance, if our producer tore up our entire studio every time we made a factual mistake, which, oof, holy cow, would be a lot. Uh, we'd probably out. be like, hey, we're not working with you anymore. This is, a, this is a weird thing for you to keep doing. So one, to me, feels like a child. Um, and I think also to your point, we live in a world where now we're aware of those things happening because of social media. And one is is more of a take no prisoners approach. I also, at this point, I'm starting to wonder because we've seen so many things get destroyed. At what point are like things like tablets that Tom Brady keeps throwing <laughs> or water coolers in dugouts yeah. in baseball? Are those really just props to be destroyed or are they actually being used at this point? Yeah, I, I'm still waiting for a camera shot that actually shows actual footage or football on some of those tablets. I'm convinced they're stage props. And that they're actually made of nothing but foam when they throw it on the ground, like just bounces right back up, no problem. Yeah, and and in baseball, I've literally never seen anyone use the cooler, but I've certainly seen it get tossed and <laughs> hit with a bat before. That thing has never been filled yeah. up even <laughs> once, I can tell you. But I love the point that you made though about like going back to Ken Dorsey, who's the coach who threw the tantrum and destroyed everything in his office. In what other field or profession is that acceptable? <laughs> like, I, listen, sometimes I was, I was thinking about like, oh, maybe like in what profession is it okay to like be cursing all day? Well, actually, there are professions, plenty yeah. of them, where that's the norm. But to destroy your, essentially, what was his office, you tell me, in what, can you imagine like you're at work, <laughs> you just, just have a rough meeting, like boss chewed you out, like you forgot what you wanted to say, you froze up. You come back to your desk and just rip it to shreds. <laughs> Laptop smash, trash can thrown against the door, and then someone pops their head in, and you're like, just rough meeting. And they're like, oh, totally get it. That's <laughs> totally cool. Don't worry. We'll get people in here to clean all this up and build you a new office. Lickety split. Yeah, right. That's why that kind of personality makes no sense to me, because I, I have no frame of reference for that's a reality. Like, I get 
cursing a lot. I get tough, authoritative bosses. I don't understand someone reacting by destroying everything around them and being like, well, okay, that's cool. They'll fix that by next week. Yeah. Or like maybe if someone like accidentally hit like the nuclear code button, like, yeah, that would be, that'd be an acceptable response to this. (laughs) They lost a game. I get it. It's football. Like it is a big deal. This is why we do this podcast. But uh, I don't know that the reaction was uh, appropriate relative to the act that caused it. And also granted, football only has 17 games. So each one takes on added importance. But we're not Mm -hmm. talking like it was a playoff game where they were eliminated. This was a early regular season game. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Coach, where you'll find the perfect blend of personalities. And that's right here on this podcast you're listening to. Preach. If you want to take a listen to all of our previous instances of having perfectly blended personalities, you can do that (laughs) by finding our previous episodes wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also interact with us on Twitter at BG and the Coach. And until next time, enjoy a perfectly blended cold scoop of the Gritons. 